It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to what will be a series of Coast to Coast podcasts where we're going to preview. Uh, we're going to preview the Tar Heels basketball season for the coming year. Appreciate everybody being here. Uh, Sean Moran, Cheryl McMillan are with me as always. Uh, but what we're going to do is, I realize, look, you're like Joey. Football is getting ready to start. We don't want to hear. Okay, I get you. I got it. Um, but we've got kind of. We're still on our our every other week episode recording schedule right now so what we're going to do is make sure we lay out time to adequately talk about uh, the UNC roster for the coming season and with so many new players we're not going to be without things or people to dissect and analyze and cut up and all that good stuff so what we want to do is start tonight by breaking down the freshmen and the sophomores and we're always thankful that you're here brought to you by our friends at Johnny T-Shirt who have been, you know, school just got back in. I'm sure they got absolutely rocked this past weekend, but um, they've been by our side for a long time. So Johnny T-Shirt is going to be along with us again this season. But we want to start tonight talking about the UNC freshmen and sophomores. Who are these people? Well, uh, if you've been living under a rock or maybe you took the summer off and you haven't been paying attention, uh, we're specifically talking about freshman Elliot Cadeau, who did reclass and join this, uh, joined the Tar Heel roster. He's on campus now. Um, we've got... Zayden High, uh, who is uh, from Compass Prep in Arizona, uh, was a late addition to the class as well. Um, Seth Trimble, who is already on campus, he'll be uh, a rising sophomore. And then Jalen Washington. And if you're following the team on social media or if you've been paying attention on the Inside Carolina message boards, uh, you've seen that they started the, the team mile this week, which is the biggest conditioning thing that they have to get out of the way in order to get their season rolling. Um, but yeah, players on campus. Things are starting to get moving, so we wanted to go ahead and start previewing our players. So we'll start tonight again with the freshmen and sophomores. I'm Joey Powell. With me, as always, Cheryl McMillan, Sean Moran. This is the Coast to Coast Podcast. Shout out to everybody who's joining us live. Uh, if you have not, subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, subscribe to however you're getting this on your podcast feed so that you get all this stuff automatically. Uh, assuming you're a hoop head, which means if you're subscribed, you'll start getting this stuff automatically when we get back to our regular weekly schedule. Uh, once the season starts. All right, here we go. Let's get rolling. Uh, Sherelle, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, we have been sitting through what seems like a really, really arduous summer, <laughs> for the lack of a better term. And we have absolutely gone up and down with the transfer portal and, and all these different uh, manifestations of the UNC roster. First things first, when you're looking at this group of guys 
Do you feel like this is what North Carolina needed when the season ended last April with no bid to the big dance? Well, it's kind of like uh, when you go to marriage counseling, they're like, look, this person, there's more than one person in the world for you. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like. That's a hell of a start, dude. <laughs> yeah, there, there's like a certain type of person who is for you. And it, it would be a little presumptuous to think that out of the billions and billions of people in the world, that that one is the one that you're supposed to have. Maybe there's a, a group of 20 who kind of fit that profile. And I think that's kind of what happened with UNC. Like, <clears throat> there may be some other talented players that they could have gotten, or maybe there was someone else on their wish list. But I think for what they needed, they kind of, there was probably 20 or 30 guys to that point um, who could have fulfilled kind of the the unique role that, roles that they were looking for, which was, you know, they, they were looking for increased shooting. Obviously, we, we've talked about that ad nauseum. They were looking for uh, higher basketball IQ. They were looking for guys who wouldn't let the ball stick. So um, I think the archetype is what they found. And, and that might not be quite the right word, but the composite, the archetype, the avatar, whatever word you want to use, um, I think they found what they were looking for. Uh, guys who are experienced, uh, again, guys who can shoot, and uh, guys who don't let the ball stick. So from that standpoint, um, I don't look at the specific players as much as kind of the skill sets and the versatility that they bring. I think they did a, a good job. Again, we've talked about it for the last, it feels like six and a half months. I mean, that Virginia game feels like it was so long ago. It was. It feels, it, it feels it, like it a was a long time ago. Yeah, I, it, I just cannot believe that was in the same calendar year as, as this. But um, so I think I think they're in a good spot. And now it's just a matter rounding all that into form we, we talk about chemistry we talk about all those things <clears throat> with the way basketball is now transfer portal and one and done and all that stuff you have one year with a team you don't have four-year teams where everybody grows together really anymore you've got one year with this group of guys and so chemistry has to be built uh, i guess starting in, in june and building into the season you reminded me there how much you like to use the word avatar and i'm glad you slipped it in i, I missed that from you um, Sean, I want to ask you a question, a little different t twist on this. Did North Carolina successfully increase their overall team talent level? And I know that's a little bit of a, I, I guess, nuanced question, but specifically you have to think about the guys that left also in consideration. We're thinking about the, the people who have joined the squad. So I want to ask you, is this an overall more talented North Carolina team than what they put on the, on the court last year? That's a, Really, really good question. I think from a from a pure name perspective, uh, you'd have to go last year from a name perspective. I think we saw how that how that worked out. Um, I, I think when you're when you're looking at Ingram and, and Cormac Ryan, uh, I think once again, you're not trading NBA caliber players for non NBA. I think all these guys are still in school for for a reason. They're they're trying to get to that level, but. There's reasons they're they're not in the draft or or they're you know they're they're um, transferring. So I think um, I think they did slightly increase the talent level, but I think to Sherelle's point, uh, the level itself is much different in terms of of the shooting and and the high IQ. Um, that it's a it's a lot different, even though if you're playing one on one, perhaps the the players that left uh, you know maybe are beating beating the guys in in one on one situations, but I think in terms of the, the chemistry and, and the mix, I think everything bodes a lot better. But I think that question also alludes to 
you know, we've, we've talked about grades for the, the team and why are they maybe not getting an A or A minus. Uh, and I think it's partly due to some of the athleticism that maybe these, these players coming in aren't bringing uh, outside of Elliot Cadeau. So what I'd like to do is we dive into the individual player aspect of things. Um, we're going to do two things about each player. I'm going to ask what each player uh, success looks like for each individual player. Uh, and then I want to ask what can fans count on from said player. So I'm going to hit each one of you guys uh, with, you know, player by player. And then back out of the show, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Um, I usually try to save that. We'll take some questions at the very end. So uh, if you're joining us live, um, make sure you save those once we get towards the, the back half of the show and start dropping those in. We'll take those as best we can. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to, uh, we're definitely going to try to get to each player, ask those two questions for a good snapshot, and then we'll have some fun later on. So first things first, uh, Sean, I'll come to you. We're going to start with Elliot Cadeau. What does success look like for Elliot Cadeau this year within the Tar Heel roster? Success looks like uh, Elliot Cadeau in the, in the starting lineup. Uh, you'll see the assist to field goals made uh, skyrocket. Uh, one of the key stats we talked about last year, I think you'll see the transition uh, ability of the team improve tremendously. And I think you'll see higher three-point percentages across a lot of the, the transfers and even potentially RJ Davis because they're getting, getting better shots. Uh, I think there, there is a high ceiling with Cadeau in terms of that passing ability and athleticism that he does bring. Obviously he could be also going into his senior year in high school. So there, I think should be an adjustment period uh, as well as what's he going to do from the three point line uh, this past past season in both AAU play and, and high school play at the highest level, he shot 36% or on 132 three-pointers. So pretty good, pretty good percentage. But you look a few years back and R.J. Davis came in uh, taking a much more higher volume, shooting almost 43% in AAU play, and he dropped down to 32% as a freshman. So if he if he can stay in, in kind of the 32 to 34%, anything above that is fantastic. But if you could stay in that range and – and uh, I, I think all the other attributes that we know he should be able to bring from the passing and getting guys involved, I think that's what success will look like, uh, in my my opinion. Good, uh, concise, well-rounded answer, sir. That was as if you'd been coached right out of a journalism school. Cheryl, I'm going to ask you, what can fans count on from Elliot Cadu this year? Yeah, I, I, Sean has called him a, a savant uh, passer. I think Adam... Uh, Fink and, and Bossy and all those guys have raved about his passing for years now. So I think above all else, if if nothing else is going, if his jump shot isn't working, um, if he's not able to, to, to get to the rim and finish himself, he's always going to be able to find teammates. And I think that is his number one quality. And that's why a lot of people want to play with him. Uh, we, we asked him that, actually. I think it was in April. And he was like, because I would much rather, you know, dish it off for a dunk for them than me take a layup. And just that kind of attitude, uh, it is uh, selfless in a way. I think that is one of those things that can permeate a locker room when everybody starts uh, passing and sharing the ball. That kind of stuff is infectious. Uh, how many times on this podcast did we talk about Brady Manick and when he started moving the ball and it wasn't sticking, how that changed the energy for UNC's team. UNC's team. I think having that in the backcourt, again, to Sean's point, is going to 
um, help a ton for RJ Davis and just pushing in opportunity, pushing opportunities up tempo, um, and then finding guys uh, kind of where they like the ball. That's something that's very underrated. Is you know, yeah, you might have a wide open shot, but if you if the pass is low or it's at your knees or it's a little bit too high, that can you know change the mechanics and change your rhythm. But if it's in your sweet spot, and that's where developing chemistry comes in, if it's in your your sweet spot, then I think it's a, a higher chance that you make it because you're comfortable and it, it goes in with all those all those reps that you took from the summer and all that muscle memory stuff. So, um, yeah, above all, is his passing is, is going to be there every game. Sure, I'm going to stay here with you and we'll move on to Zayden High. Uh, again, his recruitment was weird in the sense that he had that really awesome spring um, kind of, you know, UNC had some other targets or whatever, and then they got back in and, and you know, the marriage happened. Zayden High back right back in with the Tar Heels. Now he's on campus, even rocked a uh, Compass Prep T-shirt uh, and some UNC social media photos yesterday, which I think is hilarious. Um, but I want to ask you, what does success look like for Zayden High this year? Because I think he has been forgotten in a sense of when the timing of his commitment with regard to also – other players coming in and just the the overall continuum of of when the roster change happened i think zayden high is a little bit of a forgotten guy so i want to ask you what does success look like for him this year so i'll do a recap of his recruitment real quick for maybe those who haven't listened but essentially uh unc had a power forward uh committed in 2023 which was gg jackson um the weekend before he committed unc watched zayden high it was probably the best highest played maybe in his high school career. Um, he was phenomenal. And so UNC showed interest. Obviously, when Jackson committed, they didn't have any more interest because that spot was full. Fast forward four or five months later, Jackson decommits. Um, they called two people immediately, uh, TJ Power, who ultimately committed to Duke and Zayden High. Uh, UNC gets back in with High. He uh, has an official visit scheduled. We think he's not going to make it because of a hurricane, but he does make it. Uh, he enjoys the official visit. He commits soon thereafter. Uh, so that's kind of how it, his, his recruitment went. As far as what to expect this year, I think success for him looks like just taking advantage of your opportunities because I think the way UNC is structured, and you know, I'm sure this will be a conversation for later, but we only have the two years of Hubert Davis to go by. And, and right now, um, if you're not one of those major you know, top rotation guys, you're not going to get a ton of playing time. That could change this year, but we're just judging by what we've seen. So for him, it'll be much like Jalen Washington last year against UVA. Uh, Seth Trimble for a couple of games when Nance was out. Uh, when you get that opportunity, you have to seize upon it. So if he gets those, has those two or three games, if he can win North Carolina a game just by, you know, get it, grabbing a couple of rebounds and getting a putback, I think that's a successful season as he builds his body and, and gets used to playing kind of uh, against bigger grown men in the ACC. If he can do that, I think that's a successful season and would really have him primed to to be a contributor should he stay um, as a sophomore. Sean, I want to ask you, with regard to Zayden High, what do you think fans can count on from him for the coming season? The main, the main thing will be offensive rebounding in terms of when he does get in the game, what you know he's going to be able to do. He was really aggressive in EYBL as well as the high school season, uh, whether he's in the paint going after offensive rebound or if he's stationed on the perimeter, uh, he will go attack the glass. And I think that is uh, not really something that can be taught in all situations. So I think he has that aggressiveness in him. 
we, we know Carolina's history in, in general and Armando in, in terms of how well he's done. So I think offensive rebounding uh, and to an extent defensive rebounding will be what you can count on um, in terms of what I say one other skill set. I don't think you can count on it because you, you, you look at his three point shooting numbers from AAU and, and high school and they're pretty, pretty poor. But I think we've talked a lot about uh, the types of shots he was taking in these situations. A lot of them were deep NBA threes. Uh, so I wouldn't expect him to come in and just be a, a three point bomber, but I would expect him, uh, you know, if, if he can take the right shots that he should be able to show some proficiency from, from the outside, but not something I think offensive rebounding is something you could put in a box and say, Hey, if he's in the game for two minutes, five minutes, he's going to attack. Uh, shooting would be something, you know, secondarily to, to look out for. All right. Uh, Sean, going to stay here. We're moving on to the sophomores now. Uh, Seth Trimble. I think uh, Seth Trimble was a guy that um, excited folks last year in limited minutes. Uh, and then, you know, don't know if it was dealing with uh, some nagging injuries or just the change in playing time or the inability to have some regular playing time to count on. Um, but it looks like he lost a little bit of his confidence in his shooting stroke. And from what we've been able to tell, it seems like that shooting stroke has been rebuilt in the offseason. Uh, but I want to ask you, what a success like for Seth Trimble as we head into the season? I think success for him, I think you hit, you hit it on the head that his, his confidence was, was shot. And that really uh, d- took away a lot of his offensive game. Uh, I think you can probably count on on one hand, the number of times we saw him go to one of his go-to high school moves, which was a, a left-handed pull-up jumper from, from 12 to 15 feet. Even there are some situations he did get to that spot, but he was probably overthinking and he wanted to either pump fake or try to wait for the defender to go by him, resulting in a block shot, bad shot, or turnover. So I think for him, success is going to look like uh, not, not thinking, just playing. Uh, he didn't have any any dunks last year. He's a high flyer. I, you know, he wanted to get out in transition and, and showcase that. Uh, but more often than not, he would get into the paint and try to force it or not really know what to do. So I think this, this season, if he can play a little more freely, uh, he's, teams are still going to dare him to shoot it. So uh, he's going to have to showcase, you know, that he can take more than, than six threes and, and make more than one on, on the season. But I think if, if he can attack, you know, he went a stretch from from early December to mid January, where he was getting, uh, you know, high teens, close to 20 minutes per game. Uh, but it was really that UVA game at UVA that I think that's when the bottom kind of dropped out. So if he can provide solid defense, uh, obviously it's going to be a little challenging with RJ and, and Elliot there, but he can be a very solid on-ball defender. Uh, he can he can run the floor well in terms of getting out in transition, and if he can just uh, I'd say be serviceable from an offensive standpoint. I think we can start to see what a lot of us expected to see as a freshman. Yeah, and I went on record last year saying that, yeah, I thought he was absolutely going to baptize somebody because he is a, a, a bit of an elevator, uh, does have the ability to get out in transition, and it was shocking to see uh, to see him struggle or, or just not even get a lot of opportunities at that. Um, Sorrell, what can fans count on from a revamped shot owner, Seth Trimble, for this coming season? Oh, you know what I'm going to say, because I say it every time about <laughs> this. <laughs> you can count on him bothering opposing guards. Um, he has the size, the athleticism, um, and frankly, the mindset to, to kind of be one of you and Tommy's favorite things on, on defense, which is a, a dog 
a dog. He he can bark at people. Uh, now it, he he has all the things that you want in a really good defender. Um, and I think you you talk about uh, kind of letting the defense flow into his offense. I, I think if if he's in the game and he's able to to get up in guys and and really bother them, I think that'll help with his aggression on the offensive end because to me and maybe. Maybe it's kind of the same thing, saying lack of confidence, lack of aggression. But I think it was more a lack of aggression. There were times when you were like, man, Seth, you could really go by this guy and just, you know, lay it over him. Or you really probably could dunk on him if you wanted to. Um, so I think part of it is mindset. Um, and, and that's very much related to confidence. But if he gets some wins on the defensive end, I think that'll fuel the offense. So definitely defense, I think, is what you can count on every game. Uh, and, and especially uh, with UNC potentially having a, a smaller-ish backcourt than it's had in the past. Um, they're really going to need him to guard some wings, uh, to guard some bigger point guards. So there's it, going to be a role for him. So I, I, I go back to defense. I think that will be really interesting to watch how uh, he morphs not only within the game, but from game to game uh, on whether or not he's asked to be a, a defensive stopper of sorts um, kind of that harasser that really uh, can can disrupt what the other team's lead guard wants to do, uh, or if UNC actually leans on him for some offense once in a while. Um, all right, Cheryl, I'm going to stay with you. Uh, last one of this preview for tonight anyway. Uh, Jalen Washington. Um, we saw him still trying to get over uh, his second catastrophic knee injury of his high school career and, and just the the machinations of what that took to finally get back and whether he ever ever really did get back. So I'm going to ask you, for Jalen Washington, what does success look like for the coming season? I think for him, uh, it's really being the first big off the bench. If, if he can become that, if he can become a reliable backup to, to Baycott or even a reliable backup to whoever starts at the four, um, just be the first the first man off the bench, basically, from the post. If he can do that, I think that's success, a successful season. Uh, to your point, uh, the surgery he had, I think, was exactly was two years ago in late September. So he's 23 months removed from his second major knee surgery. And I think um, if you talk to people, they always say it's not the year you come back from the ACL. It's the year after you come back from the ACL injury. Mm. And his injury was was worse than the ACL. So I would think he's probably pretty close to 100 percent for the first time in three or four years. Um, and Heber Davis, I mean, we, we saw even when he was hurt. He's got a feathery touch offensively. Um, he hasn't quite hit threes in, in games yet. I think that's coming. I think he has the ability to do it. It looks good. It just hasn't gone in. So, um, yeah, between those two things and, and blocking shots, I think if he can do <clears throat> those two things, uh, he has a chance to be the, the first big off the bench. And for me, and I think for him, that would be a very successful season. And, again, with everyone else, as long as he stays, that sets him up to be primed for a really big year as a junior. I, I might be reaching here a little bit. Do you think that confidence could affect his play as significantly as it probably could somebody like Seth Trimble? Because, again, I, I think we saw Trimble struggling with confidence. I think Washington probably struggled with confidence, and this is this is my assumption here. I think Washington may have struggled with confidence the whole season, as in he never really felt confident in his, his health. Uh, do you think that might kind of potentially lead to a, uh, as I guess as important or as as you know pivotal of 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 a season based on confidence for him as it would for Trimble? Uh, I think it could, but 
with him, man, he's he's been through so much that I think he's just happy to have the chance to actually play and, and be healthy. Um, so yes, yeah, every player, uh, I mean, even the most boisterous guys who you know do everything on the court, they all have crisis and confidence every once in a while. So I don't think he'll be any yeah. different. But I think yeah. the fact that he's had to work so hard just to get back on the court, I think that'll limit it a little bit because he's, you know, a lot of these guys have been playing since they were three years old and they've never had a, a major injury where they had to sit out for so long. So he's had it taken away from him. So I think he probably sees it a little bit differently than some of the other guys. And it's more, he's got a little more perspective and that would probably, in my opinion, limit how much, uh, you know, confidence crisis he has. All right, Sean. Last one for the individual player previews. I want to ask you, what can fans count on from Jalen Washington? Again, bit of an enigma. What can fans count on from him, in your opinion? I think his his go-to move, which from from a confidence perspective, I think having a go-to move, uh, you know, when you're when you're looking to hit a shot or you're looking to find that confidence, I think that's why it's going to be harder for Trimble, just because it's going to be harder for him to get it versus Washington. You throw it to him in the post, he's going to turn, jab step with his right foot, try to get a little bit of space and rise up for a, a 10, 12-foot 10, jump shot, which was one of his best attributes in, in minimal shot attempts last year. Uh, so I think, one, it's a really hard shot, shot to guard, even if you know it's coming and you, and you crowd, crowd him, just given his, his size and his length, he can still get it off. Uh, but if you react to the jab step, then you're just giving him almost a free, a free bucket. I think, he, as Cheryl mentioned, he has a very good-looking form on a jump shot. I, I don't think his legs were, were ready last year, even though he, he looked to extend that, that three-point range. But I think they can count on on that shot in particular. Uh, and then I think you can count on a guy just both offensively and defensively that is a little more comfortable on the court uh, from a speed perspective in terms of processing everything. But also defensively, I think, is, is where – hopefully we can all see a big adjustment. You, you know, I was, I was shocked going through some of the stats for him and he only had one recorded block shot last year, which to me is pretty, pretty crazy given where he's located on the defensive end, his length uh, and, and his shot blocking tendencies. So I think that just goes to show, um, you know, where he was defensively and, and how much potential there is if he can, you know, get his feet under him and, and figure out uh, where where he's where he's needed. Uh, but once again, that that go to that go to little little ten footer is is a great weapon. Uh, hopefully, he's been able to develop a little bit more uh, when trying to back down guys. Obviously, he's he's not the strongest, so he can get pushed pushed off the block a lot. Uh, but if he can develop another another move, uh, I think that'll help him tremendously. Uh, go ahead, Cheryl. And I was going to say, Sean, uh, we have to go back and find the video, but Sean broke down kind of his, his go-to move, that, that trailing jumper. Um, even with, uh, at the time, we didn't know it was a bum knee. It looked great, you know, back in, <laughs> gosh, this was COVID year. So I think this was in Birmingham, maybe in 2021, something like that. Uh, and then again at Peace Jam, it, it still looked good. And we didn't know that he had, you know, all the knee injuries he had at that time, and he still was knocking it down. So. Uh, that's definitely one that you can tell he's repped over and over and over again. 
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus. Official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. He's the type of guy, too, at least to to this untrained eye, he doesn't have to have, because of his build, he doesn't have to have a ton of lift on his shot. I think more likely it's just can he get his feet set properly, um, directed properly in space properly, and then let his, you know, let his upper body do the rest of the work, which maybe that masks, you know, some of his injury issues. Sean, go ahead. I think, you know, just the one one thing is how how little experience he did get i think it was at least he was able to play last year i think a lot of us thought hey he might not even really be able to play but he only had two games playing over over double digits uh, that uva that first half that you know he looked like an all-american uh he came back down to earth in the second half and then the louisville game right afterwards but other than that you're coming in for spot minutes and going back to that confidence issue, I think when you don't really know what your role is and how many minutes you're going to get, it, it can put a lot of pressure on that, that anytime you touch the ball, trying to make something happen. Uh, so I think, you know, if he's had the spring and, and summer to get his body right and, and just get, I think we can see that top 25, top 30 guy uh, that he was before, before the injuries. Um, so really excited to see how he turns out this year, but I think with both him and Trimble, it's not that Caleb Love and R.J. Davis freshman to sophomore year leap, given how much they played as freshmen versus how little these two played. I think one of the things, depending on which you know uh, leadership philosophy you follow or which coaching uh, philosophy you follow, one of the things that can easily build confidence is stability. Uh, and, and I can't think of anything that has more stability with regard to UNC basketball than Johnny T-shirts gear, right? Um, if you think about the fact that they've been there since the, uh, since the early eighties on East Franklin street in Chapel Hill, right there at the edge of campus, um, that's stability in a nutshell. And you've got stability within the four walls of that store. If you drop in and see them, uh, inside Carolina premium subscribers, know you get that extra 10% off the top, which will help you build some buying confidence. Uh, you know, if you were looking to build confidence there, you can, uh, you can know that you're getting the best selection. Um, the best number of, of, you know, different lines of clothes, different brands. Um, you know, again, football season is within is, is two weeks from this. Uh, no, it's one week from this week. Holy crap. Uh, go get your football gear now. Um, if you order it now, I assure you they can get it to you in time. Uh, it ships locally owned, alumni owned and operated. Johnny T-Shirt are great folks. They support this and all the other great shows you're used to hearing from inside Carolina. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, um, you won't hear a break, but if you're listening to us, just hang on one second. We're going to let some national guys run some ads. Uh, but we are talking about previewing the freshman and sophomores 
for UNC basketball right here on the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. All right, guys. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time with my preteen daughter lately. And what I have learned is that uh, the show has gotten quite chooky. Um, and so what we're going to do, we're going to play a little game that I like to call uh, no cap or sus. Right. So what I'm getting ready to do is I'm going to uh, first off the show, the the listening audience of the show is getting ready to go like way younger. We're going to skew way younger to to probably a lot more around that, like, you know, 24, 25 or 18 to 25 range. Uh, but we're going to stop being chuggy. We're going to play no cap or sus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys a stat or a projection for this coming year from one of each of the players. Okay. And I need you, Sherelle, and you, Sean, to each give me an answer of, is that no cap or is that sus? All right. We cool? Good? Thumbs up? No? You guys are I laughing. I don't, I don't think I'd ever thought I'd be uttering either of the, the two words, but I'm ready. Well, it's because I just invented the game, sir. I am. This is how hip I am. This is how in tune to what, what the kids have, what's going on in the streets. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm up on this. All right. So, uh, yeah, Sean, that was, I was very chooky what you just said there. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a stat, and I'll let each of you respond to it, and you can say uh, no cap or sus, and then you can uh, you can respond and support your answer. All right, first things first, Elliot Cadeau will have 10 assists in a single game at any point this season. Sean, no cap or sus? No cap. Wow, all right. You just, just all in immediately, well- all right? Yeah, I mean, you said you said one game. I think I think that can mm-hmm. that can happen. Uh, once again, I think he is going to bring a different dimension uh, to to UNC. Uh, the big question is how how are him and RJ going to play together? But I think his his talent will have him on the court. Um, the ability to get baskets and easier baskets for people. He doesn't have a lot of the high flyers that he's going to be throwing uh, spectacular alley oops too, but. You know, Armando can get it, get an easy few. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kick out to some shooters. So, uh, yeah, I, I I say no cap to the 10, uh, 10 assists in at least at least one game. Man, you sound like a guy that says no cap all the time. No cap, uh, Sherelle, Same thing to you. Elliot Cadeau will have a ten assist game at some point this coming season. No cap or sus? Yeah, I'm agree with Sean. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no cap on that one. Uh, there will be a game at some point where, uh, you know, if R.J. Davis is in foul trouble or <clears throat> excuse me, Cadeau is just kind of feeling it. Uh, it all it takes is, you know, a, a Cormac Ryan or a Harrison Ingram or a Jalen Withers hitting two or three threes as three assists, just, you know, real quick off of uh, off of a break or something. And then, you know, you've got seven more, six or seven more t- to go from there. So I don't think it'll be too hard for him. Um, I have some assist numbers that I want to talk about later, but I think 10 is, is firmly within reach because uh, frankly, it, it, it would be, it would be neat for UNC, I guess, because it hasn't happened recently. Um, I think uh, Joe, Joe Barry, no, RJ Davis against Baylor yeah. is the last person to have 10 or more assists. And before that, that, I think it was that game had so many gaudy stats, though. Like, yeah. if you think about just how wonky that game was, there was yeah. a lot of real, you know, aberrant stats there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think it goes Kendall Marshall, Theo Pinson, RJ Davis. So I think it's happened twice since Kendall Marshall left. And Kendall Marshall has been gone for 11 years now. Uh, so it's definitely something that, that UNC uh, hasn't had, that, that primary guard who's also a distributor. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But I, I have some assist numbers later I want to talk about, too. No, go ahead. Yeah, so t- to that point, uh, I was looking up. So for me, the number for Cadeau is five assists. Um, I think five assists 
is um, if he's there, that means guys are, are, are making their shots. That means he's got the ball in his hands a good amount. It might seem a little low, but I'm, we're, we're going to play a little game. Uh, I guess we can call it, we can call it, you know, no, no cap or sus or we'll no cap or sus. Say. That's, that's look, I'm, my goal is to have <laughs> Bauman like set us up some, <laughs> some graphics and a cool intro music and all this stuff. Cause, cause we're going to use this for us, the preview shows to the point that okay. I'm hoping our audience is like queued up and waiting for it next time. <laughs> now it's time for no cap or sus, right? Like I, I really want that to happen, but go ahead. Trill. Um, no, only eight guys have averaged five assists per season or in a single season at UNC in the last 30 years. And it seems like that should be higher. Um, but we start going down the list and looking to it's, it's really uh, the point guards you would think of and Theo Pinson. Uh, so I think that's something that, that really um, needs to change for UNC. That's the number I'm looking at. And I think Kado can get there. And if he gets to five or, or six a game, um, I, I think Carolina has a, a chance to, to really be good. The record uh, for assist average for a freshman is Ed Coda. He had 6.8. And then uh, the top five, you go down to Phil Ford, who had 5.19 at number five. So if he can be kind of in between Phil Ford at 5.1 and Kendall Marshall at 6.2, I think that's a, a good sign for UNC. I like that. And I think, um, yeah, I just thinking back to like what guys have had in the league recently, I always feel like if you're if you're up around like four or five, you're doing pretty good with respect to the league leaders. But I'm saying that without having last year's you know league leaders in front of me um all right uh next question as we continue with our our inaugural game of no cap or sus uh zayden high and the the thing i want you to weigh in on this will sure i'll let you go first this time will zayden high get a double figure points game at least once this season no cap or sus yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go sus on that one uh, because I think the reason, like we're comparing him to Jalen Washington a little bit from last year, um, the reason it happened was because Armando Baycott was hurt and Pete Nance was hurt. This year, I think if Armando Baycott were, were to have an injury, you have uh, James O'Conquo back there too. And then you also have Withers, who, while it might not be his best position, has played some five at the ACC level. <clears throat> so I think you're, you're looking at potentially, uh, you know, two to three guys ahead of, um, high in Okwankwo, Baycott, and um, Withers. And I think that's probably for both the, the five and the four positions potentially. And then you start adding Harrison Ingram in just because UNC has so much versatility. I think it's just going to be hard for him to get minutes. And if it's hard for you to get minutes, then it's probably going to be hard for you to score in double figures. Yeah, that's not, the, the that's nothing against him. I just think, no. you know, there's, there's better players in front of him. That's not disrespect to him. Well, and if anything, we've seen Hubert Davis's, uh, you know, Hubert Davis's edge uh, and his, you know, past willingness or unwillingness uh, to, to use his bench. Sean, same thing. No cap or sus on Zayden High getting a double-figure points game at some point this season. I would like to disagree with Sherelle and, and say he will, but I, I, I fully agree with the, the rationale for, for why. I mean, if he were, you could see it. If there were to be a blow game and he, he gets two threes and gets to the line, but he struggled to do that a lot in the high school season with a talented team. Uh, and, and I think he'll, he, he won't have the playing time most likely to be able to, to do that. So we'll say sus on, on that one. Um, although I could, once again, it, it could happen, but I, I, I don't see it, especially given where he will probably rank uh, with a, with a lot of talented players around him. 
All right, moving on to Seth Trimble. No cap or sus? Sean, Seth Trimble will make more than 23 pointers this coming season. Uh, and and for reference, uh, I took a look. I think Leaky Black had 20-something last year. Uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Trimble went one out of six. Uh, again, assuming that he gets some more playing time and recognizing that he's essentially restructured and rebuilt what his form on his shot looks like. Um, I'm throwing it out there. Seth Trimble will make more than 23 pointers this coming year. No cap or sus? Uh, sus on that one. I don't think you're going to go from one one to 20. Uh, I think if he can, if he can be, if he can, I don't know what the number is, but I don't think he's going to going to make over 20. Uh, but if he can just have defenses at least consider him a threat to to make an outside shot, I think that will open open the lane and open things up for him. But uh, even with a retooled shot, uh, I, I think more importantly, if he can get into the lane and get to the line, if he can improve on his free throw shooting, uh, which I believe was uh, below 60% this year, if he can do that, that to me would be more more important than, than hitting 23s. But you never you never know, uh, especially if, if teams are daring daring and leaving him open. But I think that would be an under on on that one. Yeah, I do think his his free throw shooting last year was in in the fifty fifty or fifty to fifty five percent range, um, and it hovered around there most of the season, uh, which is is rare for a guy of, of his ability. Um, and for those of you that are listening to it or watching us live, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out here: no cap is what the kids say nowadays, which means for sure or or definitely or good, right? Um, sus means something is suspect or or you know kind of iffy, not really sure about it. Okay. So for those of you who are following us, that's why we're playing no cap or sus. Um, Sherelle, same thing. Seth Trimble will make more than 23 pointers this coming season. You going no cap? Or are you saying it's a little sus? I got to say, when we did our little production meeting this morning, I, I did not imagine it, it going this way. So props to Joy. That's funny. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to agree with Sean. I, I would say a, a little sus. And uh, it kind of for the same reasoning as, as Aiden High, uh, he's going to have really good players in front of him. And that's not going to be what he's really asked to do. A, a big thing with any great team is role definition and understanding kind of who you are, what, what your anchor to the roster is. And I think uh, that's not necessarily his right now. Not to say he can't become it, but that's not what it is right now. It, and I, I was looking back, I was trying to find someone who made a, a three or a two as a freshman. And just so happens, Kenny Williams, who came out of high school as like, that was his thing, was taking charges and hitting threes. He had won three his freshman year and his sophomore year, he had 27. But again, for Kenny Williams, like he was known as a shooter and he only went mm-hmm. from one to 27. Now he did miss some time that year. Yeah. Um, he got hurt. So that's part of it. <clears throat> but I, I think um, one, one to 20 is a big ass considering he's likely probably not going to start. Um, and that's just not going to be what his role is when you have Cormac Ryan and Jalen Withers and Harrison Ingram and, R.J. Davis out on the perimeter. So that, that's why I'll say probably less than 20. All right. Fair enough. All right. Last one. Last round. I know you guys are, are, are hating that we're going to finish up for, for this show uh, with this particular one. But uh, last round of no cap or sus. Sherelle McMillan, I will ask you. Jalen Washington will average over 12 minutes per game. Are you going no cap? Or are you saying that might be sus? Oh, that's no cap. I think he'll. I think he'll get there. Um, I think they like him. I think they want him to succeed. I think he's had enough time now where, uh, like, like we mentioned, he's almost two years removed from the surgery. 
This is his second offseason in kind of a UNC conditioning program. There aren't any restrictions. And I think at some point your your natural talent takes over. And I think we all know he's had a ton of natural talent, just hasn't been able to come out because of the injury. So I'll definitely say, you know, he'll he'll have over twelve minutes a, a game. That if he didn't, that'd be really surprising. And I'd almost wonder if there had been an injury or something uh, if he mm. doesn't get 12 minutes a game. That's pretty strong words there. Uh, and, and we did have a couple of folks in the, actually in the chat earlier, you know, asking what kind of minutes per game we thought they would have. So hopefully this leading a little bit towards that. All right, Sean, last one on our last line. Do you think Jayla Washington will average over 12 minutes per game this coming season? No cap or sus? Uh, no cap. Agree with Sherelle again on, on this one. Uh, so I think we're, we're, fully aligned on, on the questions I had written down 16 to 18 minutes in terms of uh, kind of a, not a, not a, if he's playing really well, but I think a, a standard 16 to 18, I think is hopefully what they can get out of him this year, given Armando uh, in the front court, some of the, the other players they brought in and hopefully him staying injury free. I think if it's closer to the 12, uh, who knows if we're seeing him again for a third, a third season. So hopefully the, the 16 to 18 plus, could be uh, a number that we're looking at. Well, thank you guys for uh, for humoring me a little bit during that. Now you've got a chance to prepare when we get to the uh, the later shows as we continue our previews, player previews as we move on to the end of the summer. And before we know it, it is going to be time for uh, late night with Hubert or whatever we're calling it. What do we call it last year? I don't even remember. Um, whatever the inaugural live action. Live live action. action that's Let's right. Carolina they, basketball. Because they went straight from his on-court quotes during the uh, the national championship game, so yeah, live action with Huber will be here before we know it. And as I mentioned, yeah, football is ten days away, and uh, then you get those magical weekends where you got live football and live basketball and all kinds of live action. Uh, so it should uh, it should absolutely be right upon us before we know. It. So appreciate everybody listening and sticking around tonight. Um, I didn't see any questions in the chat, so we'll we'll go ahead and wrap the show. Honestly, I mean, this was fun. We've got freshmen, sophomores in the bag. Next, we will talk about the uh, the juniors, and we'll get to the seniors, and uh, we'll, we'll deal with the transfers too. So uh, if you're listening, you know what to expect with the next couple of shows. Uh, we'll try to break things down similar to what we did, you know, as far as what can be expected for success, what can we expect, you know, the players to provide to the team. Um, and, you know, again, just really enjoy talking this with Sherelle and Sean here on InsideCarolina.com. Thanks to everybody who participated with the show tonight live on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't, uh, please, again, subscribe, rate, review us if you'd like to. I know uh, some folks may or may not have liked the uh, No Cap or Sus game. We hope you'll learn to love it because not everybody liked The Price is Right the first time it came on, but I'm telling you, this is the next big thing. Um, but for Sherelle McMillan, for Sean Moran, shout out to John Siegley and uh, John Bauman for producing, to Johnny T-Shirt, all of the Johns, uh, for sponsoring the show. We appreciate everybody for being a part of this. We will catch you next time on the next episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell. We'll talk to you soon. docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.